born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. I wonder if people today worship something other than God. Boy, I could get sidetracked here, couldn't I? But I won't. The last thing I would ever want to do is offend anybody. Right? You know I wouldn't do that. So he says here, they spent their time and nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. I wonder if they would love gossiping. They probably enjoyed that. Do you know I believe there's people who thrive. They live to gossip. They can't wait to hear something juicy about somebody. So, you know, I would never say anything about anybody unless it's good. And boy, is this good. (laughs) Listen real close because I promise not to repeat it. I'm only going to tell it once. Well, verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill. And he said, ye men of Athens, I perceive... That in all things, you are too superstitious. You're too religious. Now, you can tell by the very statement that he just made, he was very concerned about not offending anybody. I perceive you're too religious. You're too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. You ignorantly worship an unknown God, a God you don't know. I want to tell you about this God. And what he does is begin to show them, and it goes all the way back to creation, the God that created the heavens and the earth, the true God, the only one God there is. So he says, Him declare I unto you. So you want to hear something new, something strange? I know the unknown God. I know God. So therefore, I know something you don't know. Listen up. And he begins to explain to them. But look what he says. You already know he's already told them about Jesus and the resurrection, but he wasn't through. He says in verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Now remember, he's talking to people who believed that there is no God. And he's talking to people that 
don't know if there's a God. Some people call them agnostics. An agnostic is one who says and admits, I, uh, I don't know. It means to be without knowledge. So there's a lot of people that are proud to be without knowledge, and they call themselves an agnostic. So whichever way they want to go, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands. Well, what's he saying to all these people that's got all of these idols and all of their gods? You see, it goes all the way back up there to verse 16 where it says when he saw all of this, he was stirred, stirred in him. When he saw the idolatry, people worshiping things they don't understand and gods they don't know. It's also a great opportunity. Remember, as you begin to read the book of First and Second Corinthians, the Apostle Paul had a difficult time on his hands. They were some of the most carnal-minded Christians you've ever read about. Because after they, yes, trusted Christ as their Savior, and they were given all kinds of gifts of the Holy Spirit, they had such infighting you couldn't believe. Fourteen major problems in the church at Corinth. Yes, this is in Athens, but it's all in the Macedonian area. And talking about in the area of Greece, where you're talking about people that want intellect, knowledge, and the great philosophers. Well, look what he says now in verse 25. Neither is worship with men's hands as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And you ought to underline this next statement. Hath determined, as he says here, the times before appointed, the bounds of their habitation. I believe that God has made an earth. He's put man upon it. And I've had people ask me, said, do you believe that there's people on other planets around? No. But look how many planets there might be out there with life just like here. God could have done it over and over and over again. Mm, I don't think so. Because I believe that God has determined the bounds of their habitation. I believe that Jesus Christ only died one time, and that's for the people upon this earth. I believe that God made it here. Everything God's done is in regard to mankind upon this earth. And when he comes back from heaven... He's going to go to Mars and Pluto and set up his kingdom. I believe he's coming here. And it says that the increase of his kingdom will be no end, and it's going to be from the earth. And I believe this is the center. And anyway, that's for another time. Get what he says here. In verse 27, it's kind of like people upon the earth being a bunch of blind people. Pretend everybody's blind. And there's a man that can see. A man that can speak. But they're all blind. They can hear his voice. Whenever you hear his voice and you're blind, you want to get closer to the voice. You wouldn't want to get further away because the only person that can see is the one that I can hear. So there's a natural drawing. God says everyone in the world is like a blind man. And he says, if you will feel after me, 
ye shall find me. I believe a person who seeks the truth and accepts the light that God has given to them, more light will be given. You see, there was a time when they were going to go into Asia, and God says, no, I want you to go over here to Macedonia. And then later on, the lady, Lydia, was saved down by the riverside. And other people trusted the Lord because of it. And then the Philippian jailer. So there's a whole family that got saved there. So there's a church that got started because we have the book of uh, the Philippians. So you see, there's a God that knows what you know. And a God that knows who is seeking truth. And God says, seek the Lord while he may be found. He is not far from any of us. But God is so desirous of meeting the needs of anyone that would seek the Lord. So see, God draws, but some people will not respond. God gives light, truth, and people who want to obey truth and light can come to the light. But God says, preach the gospel to everybody in the world, so he tells us to go to them. But God can lead and guide us as we go. I was very amazed that so many years ago, over 40, I simply, as a young 27-year-old graduate from Florida Bible College, simply went to a hunter's banquet and preached the gospel. A half an hour message, and took a couple hours to get there, a couple hours back, but I had to spend the night. And I thought, this is a total waste of time. And then I was going to go to Minnesota and speak up there, and I knew it was another waste of time. But 40 years later, when I see so many of the testimonies of the people, and I thought, what if I had never gone? I can't take credit for that because I did not know any of that. All I did is what I did. Not because I planned anything, only because God opened up the door and I just do it. Just like you may just witness to somebody, but you didn't take a lot of thought about it. You just did it because you know that's what you're supposed to do. And then you don't know how God's going to open up. God knows the hunger in other people's lives. And all we have is we, we have some bread. And when you study the book of Ruth, it's just handfuls on purpose. Just casting the seeds. And so as we go through life, we got some bread. There's a story in the Old Testament about some lepers that found some bread. They came back and told them because they were starving to death and says, we found some bread. So some lepers found something to eat. And then they had to decide whether or not do we go and tell them or just keep it for ourselves. And that's where we are. You know the truth. You know you have eternal life. You found some bread. There's still a lot of people that are hungry. Do we share the bread or just keep it for ourselves? And be thankful that at least I got my little pinkies inside the pearly gates and then let the rest of the world go to hell. God was able to use the apostle Paul because, you see, Paul, when he went to Athens, he didn't go as a tourist. He didn't go to marvel at all the stuff that they had there in the Parthenon and all that stuff, you know, the Greeks and their, because they, they had the armies, they were mighty men. They had the grateful love. He didn't go there and admire any of that stuff. All he knew was, I came here for a reason. 
And he was looking for an opportunity. And first place he goes is to a place where he can talk to people about the Lord. That's why God used him in such a great way. But look here in verse 27. That they should seek the Lord. That's the purpose. If happily they might feel, that means to desire. The desire to know God. To know that unknown God that you don't know about. Paul says, I know him. And he says, and find him. Isn't it wonderful? Not only to seek, not only to desire, but to find him. I'm so glad my father-in-law explained the gospel to me. Because I did desire to know God. I wanted to know the truth. I didn't want to get trapped in some man-made religion. And I'm so glad that I never did. Probably really would have messed me up. And then Betty's dad explained the gospel. And I found him. I found the Lord. Or I guess you could better say he, he found me. But he's the one that's seeking. But he also... Wants you to desire him. Look in verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. In other words, as a a man that's created by this one true and living God. That gave us air to breathe. That created our bodies and gave us life. And we exist because of him. And he says, even as concerning one of your own poets have said that we're the offspring of God. Which means that we came from God, or made in His image, as it says in the book of Genesis. You see there in verse 28, as certain also of your own poets have said, for you're also the, His offspring. See, this is when sometimes a little knowledge of what somebody else believes can be used to your advantage. So yes, you study a little bit about all the things of the world, But you always look at everything through the lens of Scripture. So you know the Bible and you check and see if this is true. You don't put their stuff up and read it and look at the Bible and see if it's true. No, you learn the truth so that you can discern the error. And God will bless you for doing so. Look in verse 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think... Now, the word to think, you ought to underline it in your Bible. Because a little bit later, you'll see the word repent. And repent means to change your mind, to think differently, to reconsider. Because here's all these Athenians that think something that is not true. They're thinking something that's not true, and they need to repent. Change their mind about this God that I'm telling you about. And he says, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. So you see, he's talking to them about all these statues they had that they used to worship this whatever God you wanted to worship. And if you miss somebody, well, we got one for him too. But he says in verse 30, And the times of this ignorance, God winked at. And I know there's a problem sometime about the word wink. Can you imagine God winking? I used to have a real hard time flirting with Betty. Because I I couldn't close one eye. So the only way I could wink at it was go like this. 
Nora. That's not very romantic. But it worked. There's something about seeing one eye that really, you know, they, they get all excited, you know. At the times of this ignorant God. See, God is winking at ignorance. All of these people, and whatever they believed, they were ignorant because they didn't know the truth. But even though you don't know the truth, you're still responsible to come to the light or to the truth. The judge winks at your ignorance because payment was based on promise. But not when you've heard the truth that he has. You see, now that he has presented to them the truth, they are no longer ignorant. God is simply going to judge man according to the light that he has. The light that he knows. The light that he understands. And God says, I'm going to judge the world by that man. Not Batman, that man, referring to Jesus Christ, who died and came back from the dead. And God's going to use a man, because he was the only perfect man that perfectly obeyed the Lord, that died for men. God said, I'm going to use that man to be the judge of all other men. And not only has it been promised that he would come and make this payment, he has now fulfilled that responsibility. Now it's that you're hearing the gospel, you're no longer ignorant. You would be judged according to the light that you had, but now I'm giving you more light. Do you understand that when you witness to somebody and you explain the gospel, you're removing the scales from their eyes and also giving them light by which they are going to be held accountable for? So some people say, well, it'd be better off. Don't tell them anything. Let them be ignorant. Won't be so hard on them. They still go to hell. But look at all the ones that will trust the Lord and get to go to heaven because they will believe it. So you look there in verse 30 where he makes a statement. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Change your mind. Think differently. See, God will permit you to be ignorant. God will permit you to... Reject truth, to reject light. Worship whatever God you want to. But God commands every man to change his mind, to think differently, to reconsider, to repent. So where the word repent is, you draw a line up to the word to think. Because you see, God wants them to change their mind about what they're thinking. That this God that they've been worshiping, there is a true and living God that made the heavens and the earth. And he says in verse 31, because, you ought to underline that word, because, here's the reason. Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given, and here's another great word, assurance, assurance. You see, they were ignorant, so they had no assurance. But when you know the truth, you can have great assurance. And that's why I know that the day will come when I will also stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, realizing that he took and paid for all of my sins. I've already been judged. I was found guilty. 
but he died for me. I've been pardoned. I'm clean. I'm clear. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Someone paid my penalty for me. There is a world out there that's never heard the truth, though Christ did it for them too. But the payment's not put to their account until they believe it. And this is why it is so important to witness to individuals because it is the will of God that they do not remain ignorant. It's better that a man know the truth and reject it than never to have heard the truth. God wants every man to hear the truth. They're still condemned. But now notice what he says here. By that man whom he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. What is my assurance that I'm going to heaven when I die? God raised him from the dead. He is our living proof of payment. He's our receipt. And then he says here in verse 32, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, look what he says, some mocked. Some mocked. And of others said, We'll hear thee again of this matter. We don't know if they ever did. So Paul departed from among them, but look in verse 34, Howbeit certain men clave unto him, and you ought to underline the next word. Isn't this what we're always looking for? That little remnant, those few, that little handful that will believe it. Some said, well, they mocked. And then you had others that said, well, we'll, we'll hear more about this later. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. People always intending to get right. I've heard people say, oh, I'm intending to get saved, you know, right before I die. Right before I die. Because there's so many things that I want to do between now and then, and being a Christian isn't one of them. I had someone tell me, said, I, because I asked him, I said, why don't you trust Christ as your Savior? He says, because my mom and dad are Christians. I said, what's that got to do with it? He says, I know that if I trust Christ as my Savior, I become God's child. If I'm God's child and I don't serve the Lord, God will chasten me. And I don't want to be chastened. So therefore... I'll trust the Lord when I'm ready to settle down. Now, to him, that made true, logical sense. Don't that make sense? It's just logical. I said, well, let me ask you this. What if you die today? And he got a blank stare on his face, and he just stared. He said, never thought of that. I said, well, wouldn't it make sense to trust Christ as Savior, become a child of God, and then if you don't serve the Lord... Well, maybe he'll chasten you, but you still go to heaven. I said, wouldn't that be better than going to hell? He said, yeah. He trusted the Lord. Duh. But see, some things will make so much sense. It's logical. But they don't think of everything. So that's why the gospel makes a man think. Probes his mind. And that's why you want to make the gospel clear and as simple as possible. See there in verse 34 again. How be it? Certain men clave unto him and believed and believed. And others also. But look up here just for a second. If you're watching by internet, pay close attention. This is so important. This hand represents you and me. And the wallet represents all the things we've ever done wrong. And everybody has done something wrong. God calls it sin. We might call it a mistake. 
but in God's book, it's sin. Harmatano, miss the mark of perfection. We've all sinned. Nobody's perfect. And to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And he says to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. We can't take our sins into heaven. So how are we going to get there? Well, we've got to get rid of this. Well, how do you get rid of it? You've got to die. And you've got to spend eternity separated from God in hell. So you still want to pay for your sins? I wouldn't. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. So what Jesus Christ did for one person, he did for everybody in the world. He took all the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God says he's going to judge the whole world by that man. Because he was the only man that came into the world and lived a perfect life and was never condemned. He was without fault. So he died for the whole world and came back from the dead. He earned the right to sit in judgment on everybody else. So God said he's going to judge the world by that man who came back again from the dead. Because that means that he is alive and that he was the Lord. And that our sins were paid for. And he expects us to believe it. Did you notice the word when he makes the statement there in verse 30? But now commandeth all men to repent. You see, to believe on Jesus Christ is a command. And not to obey that command is a sin. The sin of unbelief is one of the worst sins anybody can ever commit. It's worse than homosexuality or committing murder or adultery because, you see, that's one sin that will condemn you to hell for all eternity. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he believeth not in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So is it important? It is important. And we have the message... And we are not interested in debating the philosophies of the world. Just preach the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the greatest message in the world. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. There's power in this message. The wisdom of the world cannot compete with what you and I have. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not right now do just that? Maybe you have questions and doubts, but you can trust the Lord with those. Just be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I, I don't understand it all. But I believe that Jesus Christ, that he died on that cross and that he paid for my sins. And tonight, the best I know how, I will trust him as my only hope of going to heaven. And friend, if you will do that, God said he would save you and give you eternal life. Would you trust him? With head bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, is anyone else say, yes, I believe that. That made sense to me. And tonight I will trust Christ as my Savior and preach our life for you to pray for me. Friend, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? I'm not going to have you forward. not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, will you trust the Lord? If you're watching by Internet, friend, right where you are, just between you and the Lord, Say, Lord, that made sense to me. 
I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe he died for my sins. I'm trusting him to take me to heaven whenever I die. Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We're thankful for the opportunity to have your word given to us, to study it, to believe it. And Father, we pray that it'll change our lives. Thank you so much for each person here and those that listen by internet. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, He would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me